Welcome to the Teachers Can podcast. This is the podcast that celebrates the transformative power of true self-care in the education space and the teachers doing the work to make it happen. My name is Amy and I'll be your host today. I'm thrilled to be joined by a truly inspirational teacher and leader in the education here in Aotearoa. Artema Cassidy is an incredible educator who is sharing his journey in the online space to inspire, uplift and hold space for teachers to be seen, heard and motivated to grow into the best versions of themselves. You know, teaching is an incredibly hard job and it's easy to get sucked up into the trials and tribulations that come with the work we do. Artema brings forth his passion and enthusiasm that is simply infectious and I'm so keen to share his energy with you today. Artema, the man, the myth, the legend, welcome. How are you today? Amy, can I just say that was such a beautiful opening. I feel so honoured to be of your lovely words so um it is such an honor to be part of your podcast and i have enjoyed seeing what you put out into the sphere and all your support so i'm feeling great i'm feeling energized so it's good i love it i'm so excited to talk with you honestly i love your energy i love everything you do i love the messages you you share and i'm really keen i guess to get to know you a little bit more like who are you how did you end up where you are today Big question, I know. <laughs> question. And it's a question that I cannot answer without recognizing two really important people in my life my um, nana and granddad, who came to New Zealand on a boat from Samoa and with a dream, Amy, to sort of create better opportunities for us, my family here in New Zealand. So um, they were big advocates for education. My mum and, you know, my whole family, really, we learned um, English through the Bible, going to church, um, sitting around the kitchen table. And yeah, so I feel like I'm the sum of all those parts. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about leadership, but I think seeing my own family be leaders in their own way, in their quiet way, at the kitchen, my mum looking after all of us kids growing up, my dad working really hard, um, he was a meter reader, and so really uh, humble beginnings, but we always knew that um, hard work and love was the main things that we could give to the world, and I feel like no matter how life kind of changes us all those sorts of things have still remained really important and that's it's the way I live my life working hard and showing love to anyone and everyone so I love yeah, that so much is that relationship you had with your grandparents what sort of led you to become a teacher yeah for sure um I think like my nana and granddad they they, they were risk takers. I mean, like my granddad couldn't speak a word of English, but he was always having conversation. Everyone was his friend. Like you could just tell that the way he was, he was just so open and, and welcoming. So he sort of took lead in that respect. My Nana, she never was able to travel the world, but she always encouraged my aunties and my uncle and my mum to um, do well at school so that you had the opportunities to do things that she could never do. So I think, um, yeah, I feel like they inspired the love for learning and I suppose the value of learning. Yeah. yeah I love that. I think for me, I got into teaching because it just felt so right. Like I didn't feel like for, 
that there was actually really any option. Like it was one of those things that I just felt so drawn to. And I found that the more I'm in the classroom and the longer I've been here, um, I've become able to be more of myself. Like I've allowed more of who I am to come out in the classroom. And I, and I don't think it was always like that for me as a young teacher. How has your teaching journey been and, and, and how do you think it shaped, you know, the man that you are now? I think that's such a, um, an important, I suppose, concept that you bring up. I feel like um, there are people who are born to teach and I think there are people who learn the craft of teaching. That's, that's, that's my perception. And I feel like I um, have never felt more at home than I am with kids and in the classroom. Um, I feel like it could be years that pass, but that feeling still remains. Like I still get butterflies, Amy. I don't know about you, because we've both been teaching for, but I still get butterflies waking up at the beginning of every term on the Monday and going, oh my gosh, are the kids going to receive this lesson all right? Are they going to be okay? How did, how did the holidays go? How do you, you know, I'm always thinking and feeling about all these different things that a beginning teacher feels. Like it never disappears. And like, it never goes away. Goes away. It never goes away. Even that that first day of school, you know, on that new day, I don't know what it's like for you at your school, but on our at our school, the kids don't know who their teacher is. So we all yeah. have to go down and they sit down and they're calling out, you know, who their teacher is. And I look around at all their nervous faces and I'm like, guys, I'm just as nervous as you are. I'm so nervous on those first couple of days because I just, like you say, you just don't know how we're going to gel together as a team. Like how long is it going to take for me to learn everyone's names? And it's really quite, quite stressful. <laughs> um, it's funny because um, I started a new school this year and the new entrance that I started with, I said, you know what? we are starting this journey together. You know, I'm going to grow old with you while you grow old in this school. So there's something, it's, it's quite special, eh, that connection. It is so special. I'm really keen to hear more about your journey because in my eyes, it seems like you have progressed in your career quite quickly. Can you yeah. tell me, like, how did that happen for you? It's um, It's a really interesting one because... I never came into this wanting leadership. Like, I was the most shyest, even per at uni. I, I dreaded uni. I hated the big lecture theatres. I just never felt like I was reflected in what I saw at university. Mm -hmm. I, I felt very much like the child. We've all got that child in the classroom who always seems to be, um, who, dis who disappears, who mm -hmm. just sort of blends in because they just do. Um. So I kind of came into teaching with that sort of mindset that uni didn't prepare me as much and I wonder how this will go. But I remember having a passion for the kid that was like me yeah. at, at school and just making sure that those kids were catered for, checking in on my neighbours, are those kids all right? Do, do you think this plan might help? And, oh, that's really cool. Do you suppose you could share that with my other colleague? And it was all through just me making sure that those kids we're all right. It was taking those risks of sort of going, I know we're meant to be operating in our own four walls, but I know that there's a need here. There's a need here. My colleague over there might benefit from this. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the whole uh, story of my nana and granddad where we always just showed love. 
it was just through I wanted to connect, I wanted to help. And that sort of has catapulted me, I suppose, into this role. But I've got to tell you though, Amy, um, it was never, yeah, my first principal says you're either taking on this leadership role next year or you don't have a job. So I oh feel like God. I've had good <laughs> mentors who have just sort of pushed me in, you know, like as leaders of a school, we're the teach we're just like teachers in the classroom. We know the kids that have that potential. They just need it to be revealed to them. Um so I can't yeah, I thank my mentors and everyone who has helped me get to this position. Yeah. Was it something that was um that you were inspired to be? Like I think when I look back to myself as a young teacher, I was mm. so hell-bent on following these career progressions like I saw management units then I want to be a team leader then yes of course I'll be assistant then I'm going to be a principal and that's how I sort of envisioned my 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 progress to go and and it started I had management units and then I was a team leader in my third maybe my fourth year of teaching so so fresh had a new baby did not know what I was doing at all and it's this is when my well-being probably took the biggest hit I think as a beginning teacher I was okay but not really and then as soon as I was responsible for other people I really started to neglect myself even more and there was almost an element of um, I, I felt like I had to hide a lot of um, my struggles from other people because I had to walk around as if I was this leader who had my shit together and it was draining. Yes. Is that what it's like for you? <laughs> oh, Amy, 100%. I just, every time you were sharing something, I was like, yes. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's everything you know you you mentioned it we, we're young we're new to the job in itself so we're dealing with sometimes teammates who have been teaching for years like no one actually knows what that's like when you are trying to put the vision across while still trying to be respectful that everyone has different points of experience and I feel like even if I never had anything in common because like my first teammate, they were all, um, they all owned their own house. They all had families. They had been teaching for, and here I am still at that point, busting to work. So, you know, there was just no, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I did definitely feel like a fish out of water, but um, I still feel that way. Yeah. And I think you've we've got to embrace as leaders that vulnerability. I think it's so much more, you're so much more able to connect with staff when you are just who you are. You are just vulnerable. You, you, you're you open about your shortcomings and wanting their support to help you. Um, and I feel like that's been kind of what has helped me overcome those feelings is to know that, oh my God, like I, I've got people around me who know so much more and we can learn, I can learn off them. And they they want me to do well, like they want us to do well, you know, I'm part of their team, so that's been good, but um, also just, you know, switching off, like it's, it, it, as a first-time leader, that was new, um, but, but um, switching off, you know, switching off and then just doing something like taking a walk to the beach or, I don't know, hanging out with my family 
going out and eating like I do tend to do every weekend. But just like random things, just doing something for myself. Is that is that what you do to take care of yourself? So what, you know, you're getting out and you're spending time with friends. What else are you doing that is um, keeping those? Because uh, I think for me, yes. my greatest downfall in my well-being was never really anything that was happening outside of myself. It was everything going on inside and the conversations I was having with myself and the thoughts that yeah. I would let yes. roll over myself all the time and it took me years of conscious work to really tame that inner beast is that something that you struggle with that inner beast oh my goodness amy you have just given it a word yes i mean like it's funny that um you you mentioned this because i was just talking to my flatmate the other night and we were saying how sometimes a negative thought can manifest itself and change your whole work environment. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Think like people are against me. Um, I'm really incompetent and people can see all my shortcomings. People don't even want to say good morning to me. It actually has happened before to me quite a number of times where a thought has just popped into my head and I've let that energy completely paint my mm-hmm. scene where actually if I was to step out, I would go, hang on, were they actually, was this workplace bullying or was this just my own anxiety? Yeah. Everything they did seemed so heightened and so incredibly debilitating sometimes. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go into the staff room because I feel like everyone knew I stuffed up that lesson and, like, now they're judging me and they're probably talking about me behind my back. And I know that sounds really ridiculous, but that was what it really was. Yeah. And if someone didn't say good morning to me one day, I'd be like, oh my gosh, they, they must have known that I um, stuffed up this lesson. Or, yeah, so there is such power mm-hmm. in overcoming those thoughts. And we were just saying how you can actually train your mind to say, I'm banishing you. Mm-hmm. I'm banishing all my thoughts. I'm cleansing myself from this energy by... And, you know, we have little mantras that we've come up with, um, me and my flatmate, and it's really helped. Or the blanket, I'm covering myself with bright, you know, with a, I say bright white God's light, but it's just... I love that. Exactly what I do as well. I yeah. have, um, you know, really consciously have to catch the thought. And I think for so many of us, it's, we're so unaware that we're even having the thoughts because our behavior just happens and we we tend to think oh I don't have any control over this or this kid did that so I did that and we seem to think that you know we have no control over our behavior but what I've come to learn is that an event will happen and we seem to think that this event happened like stuffing up your lesson happened and then that caused us to not go to the staff room right caused us to avoid our colleagues or have conversations with people. But in reality, what's happening is the event happens, then we have the thought, and then the thought triggers our emotional response. Oh, I've got shame now, so I don't, and then that shame is now triggering and, ch- and changing my behavior. So if we can catch that thought, right, and go, this is a shitty thought, I don't want this thought, please guide me to a better feeling thought, then we can sort of change and flip these things around but I'm hearing from you that it had to be something that 
needs to become a conscious thing you do. So yeah. how did you start to bring that into your, I guess it's your self-care practice. How was that something you discovered or when did you discover it? I think, and I think for me, it's come from experience. It's mm -hmm. come from working in different workplaces and noticing patterns yeah. of that I have yes. obviously there's so much that you can say, oh, this happened or, you know, at my last school we did these sorts of things and I didn't really gel with that. But actually, what was it about that that I didn't gel with? And it could have been that I was really uncomfortable or I, I felt anxiety or I felt lack of control or I felt like um, I wasn't helping enough. But, you know, there's always these little underlying things that rear its head and I feel like I could name a trend that has probably a thread a common thread that has linked all of those experiences and I think for me a lot of it stems from just understanding that I'm quite anxious mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a person and when I'm anxious when I'm my anxiety flares I might overthink and then that overthinking makes everyone literally it can actually make a really sunny day turn turn really fast and I've got to work really hard and I've had to work really hard to sort of flip it by just doing those positive mantras in my head, by taking deep breaths, by, I have to consciously calm myself sometimes almost every day just before I go into work so that I am a neutral, calm vessel mm -hmm. that can stay the work, that can, you know, captain a waka and be not as um, erratic. So I think just, really understanding and reflecting on those past experiences has helped me to I to discover that you know the um taking care of my thoughts and my well-being is really important I've just discovered that this year oh wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I didn't discover this way of thinking um until my early 30s so I'm 36 now and yes. I had you know quite a number of years of teaching under my belt before that and throughout that time, I think I sort of developed this victim mindset where I was really happy to blame everything going on around me for my shitty circumstances, right? Yeah. So the yeah. kids, they're naughty, it's their fault I'm grumpy. Um, the education yeah. system sucks, it's their fault that I'm stressed and I'm overworked. And not yes. realizing that I can actually take control over what's going on inside myself, which helps me respond to the shitty things going on around yes. us. And what a difference it makes when you can go home at the end of the day and go, yeah, you know what? Things didn't go perfectly well, but I was able to control my behavior. I didn't have that outburst. I didn't respond with anger in a way that maybe I would have done. And then we don't bring those feelings home, like for you bringing them home to your fat mate, I would bring them home to my husband and my, my poor son who would wear the brunt of my shitty day. And it took yes. a lot of self-reflection to go, hold on a second, here's the pattern. So what you did, here's my pattern. This is what I'm doing. This is what I keep saying about myself. This is what I keep saying to myself. And then going, is this true? And having yes. that understanding of the law of attraction and go, the more I think about these things, I'm bringing these things. And that's what you said. Like, we literally are bringing the shitstorm to us with our thoughts. And you know what's so funny? Like, when you, uh, like, 
I took it out on my whanau and my family and just being really isolated. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not, it wasn't even like me just, it was just me shutting down, me not wanting, like me not wanting to go to the staff room, turned into me not wanting to come to an event, me not wanting to contact my sister, me not wanting to engage um, with my friends and be present. Which and which is shitty because it's like no one, none of them deserve that, and they don't know why you're going through stuff. And it's like, and also too, I had a thought: um, work should serve your um, personal life. Your personal life shouldn't serve your workplace. And I feel like just knowing that and going, okay, today was today could have been better, but you know what? On the weekend, I'm catching up with my mum and dad, or I'm going to go on holiday with my friends, or and that's cool. And I get to do that because I have this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So what advice would you have if you could go back in time and um, see young Atma? What <laughs> would you want to tell yourself? You know, maybe at the start of university or when you're beginning teaching. Um, that... Oh, that's a really good question. I think I would tell that Atima to just remain strong in who you are, um, to remain connected. You know, I feel like you talked about leadership and I think I worked really hard, as I'm pretty sure you did in your first years of teaching. I was in the classroom every weekend, mm-hmm. A, because I loved it, but I think also, too, I was trying to fill a void. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I the classroom became my sanctuary I was in there every weekend I lost touch with mates family time had to just be put to the side because I wanted to prioritize that and so yes I got this far in my job but I feel like I lost so much Mm -hmm. because of the sacrifices I had to make to get here you know so I would go back and say just slow down enjoy the journey slow down take deep breaths enjoy the journey pace yourself um and just make sure to stop to enjoy the view. You know, the view has always been there, but mm-hmm. because you're stuck in your own ways, you're not really acknowledging it. Um, yeah, enjoy the journey and not and don't rush. Don't rush. And I think that is such a powerful <laughs> message, message because yeah. for many of us, it's almost yeah. like we are looking so far ahead in the future. And even yeah. if we, you know, if we want to put leadership aside, but... Yeah. Just like where we want to be in our career and how we want our classroom management to be. I mean, for me, it was as simple as um, having nice storage containers. Like I couldn't afford to buy nice storage containers for my classroom. I couldn't afford to spend any money on my classroom. So I would look around and be like, my classroom looks like absolute shit. And I would feel so bad about it. And I wish that I could sort of go back in time and just be like, slow down, slow down, enjoy the process. You have so much to look forward to you've got so much happening for you so much coming in your future just slow down enjoy the process you're going to get to where you want to go if you want to get there just keep putting one foot in front of the other <laughs> um <laughs> I'm, I'm loving our conversation I can't remember what we've talked about but I'm really keen to hear like how do you like you we've talked a little bit about the things that you are doing with like your mantras and your cloak which I love I was teaching my group um coaching girls last week about um wearing the protective cloak um when you're wanting to sort of you know bolster up your boundaries but how do you stay positive when things are hard that's a really good one um because I remember 
well, last year really was a really tough year on my team. And I feel like for me, it's the kids. Mm-hmm. What keeps me positive is just that knowing that my purpose, well, I'm talking about work, but in life it's, you know, my, but at work for me, it's the kids. Putting those kids at the front of my mind so that every time I have a negative thought, I'm just like, hang on, park it, leave it at the front door. The kids don't need this. The kids mm-hmm. are, you're not here to put your thoughts and your negative energy out there onto them so I really I find the students to be really good energy sources they really do um you I thought about this the other day I'm in a room of 30 kids and all these energies are sort of just swimming up there in the air and your role is to sort of be like a conductor like kind of capture all the energies but you can only do that if you're a positive conductor Mm -hmm. and you're making sure everyone feels aligned. So um, I find that kind of gives me clarity mm-hmm. as if I come in and just park that at the front door and say, I'm here for the kids. Yeah. I've always found that hard to park stuff at the front door. Um, yes. I think as a, as a young teacher at university, it was something that we were sort of drilled into, like you leave your life at the front door. You don't yeah. bring in anything and as when I was younger and I had um I went through a couple of miscarriages before I had my son and it was a really hard time because I one was told I'm not allowed to have feelings as a teacher um well I probably wasn't told that but that's what my brain sort of commuted it computed it to be so I let myself leave my feelings at the door But what I realized when I looked back is it actually turned me into an all out bitch in the classroom. And I actually wasn't able to control it. I don't think I had the same perspective that you're coming in with of I'm making the choice here to bring myself and my energy and feel good with my children. I didn't have that mental capacity then. I would say I'm leaving my shit here but I wasn't really leaving it there. I was suppressing my feelings. And what that ha- what happened in the classroom is it sort of bubbled up and I was angry. I was just angry. I was grieving. I was hurt. I was sad, but I didn't know what to do with my feelings. And I think once I've gotten older and more comfortable, I guess, to be vulnerable, because I hear you talk <sighs> about being authentic, being vulnerable, is I can actually share with my kids now you know hey guys this has happened in my life and I'm Mm -hmm. feeling really sad right now so when my nana died I was like you know my nana's just Mm -hmm. died and um I'm I'm feeling really sad and I want to be here for you um I'm just hoping you can help me out today by um you know just working a little bit more quietly or you know just actually do what I'm asking you to do today guys and (laughs) and I found that being being honest and, yeah. and vulnerable and, and sharing that we are humans with human feelings and emotions actually helps um, the bond within the classroom. But I think it also helps those kids as well when they're having a tough time to go, oh, okay, so sadness is okay, okay. or anger is okay. It doesn't define who I am and I can feel my emotions and it is okay. Yes, yes. Totally. Um, yeah, it's such a, it's one of those things that I've always grappled with, say, hey, because I'm always kind of like, do I? And I suppose it is being drilled into me, you know, where it's kind of like, 
But I also think too, for me, when I went through school as a child, you know, as a, as a student, it was such a negative place. Like for me, it wasn't like, it was me avoiding kids because I was being teased or just, I wasn't getting the curriculum because I was learning English and it was just really hard. So I feel like it's, it's, it's definitely, that definitely drives me, you know, that, that those thoughts. So I, I'm so much more mindful that of what feeling that to me, that was the worst feeling I ever had mm -hmm. growing up was those feelings at school. And so to me, nothing of recent memory can kind of ever compare to that for me in terms of that baggage that I carried mm -hmm. as a kid. But, um, and I think, I think you're right. Storytelling and sharing your stories um, is so powerful for ourselves, it's mm -hmm. cathartic, but also for our kids to show that these teachable moments, not just in the curriculum, but also in my life and, you know, my storytelling and in your stories that you share with each other. So it is okay. It is yeah. okay. I think there's such a stigma in, in feeling things. Yes. And maybe things are starting to shift a lot more now, which I, which I love. And mm. I'm looking forward to that day where, you know, children are able to articulate you know this is what I'm feeling right now and I just I know it's going to pass I just need a moment to be sad or I just need a moment to do whatever with that understanding that you know it's going to pass and I will be okay I think I had too many moments in my life where I tried to force the happiness mm. and force the positivity yeah. and for me, it just brought a lot of resentment, which, yes. you know, made me feel heavy and it, and it wasn't um, helpful for me and my, and my well-being as a, as a young woman. But you know what, mate? I think there's also stigma from a leadership lens and um, being a leader that leads with empathy. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a stigma around why you're not tough enough or it's all about performance and it's all like I said it's all about the kids but it's almost like it's kids beyond everything else and um I feel like we are post-COVID becoming more in touch with our well-being I feel but I still think in the leadership realm it's still at least leading with empathy and being vulnerable um and it's okay to have feelings as a leader is not very it's not very discussed well mm -hmm. it's not it's not discussed as much no, and, and it's a tough yeah. thing because you know you know you've got that responsibility of sort of holding everyone together. Yes. But I think I think there is room to be um, vulnerable and strong at the yes. same time, and vulnerable and um, I don't know the word of like where we can still hold ourselves and we can hold yes. everyone together. And yeah. it's like that there's a, that aspect of, of self-compassion, which is common humanity, when we can all come together, together and go, you know what, we are human and we all are going to find situations hard. I'm, a, I'm your, yes, I'm your leader and yes, I'm still human and there are situations that are going to trigger me and make me feel all sorts of ways, but also knowing that I have my self-care plan yeah. around me so that... I'm going to do my best to manage myself and that if I need to take a step back, I will do what I need to do to sort of care for me. And I think that is what we need to support us to be able to support all the people we need, because you as a leader, you are not just 
supporting your children, your students. Yeah. You have a staff, like you've got an adult body who have their own thoughts, feelings, needs, vulnerabilities, fears that is almost sort of piled on to, you know, your responsibilities as a leader as well. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, because if they're not if they're not catered for, those kids surely won't be yeah. in the classroom. So no, for sure. Yeah. I'm lo loving our chat. I'm kind of <laughs> <out>. <laughs> um who do you think people should be following on social media? Like who out there do you think is really dishing the goods in the education space? In the education space. Well I was do gonna say <laughs> To anyone really, make sure that you stay connected to family and friends. I feel like that to me is number one. Yeah. I think as, as anyone, any human being, but teachers especially, make sure you're staying connected with family, friends, um, and not just through text, and uh, but like actually just pick up the phone and have mm -hmm. a conversation or FaceTime. I think that in today's day and age, and especially with teachers, you're, we're, so, we're looking at plans, we're looking at text all the time. It's so good to have conversation and I'm just- I'm so glad you talk. said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I think I love internet, yeah. but um, it actually stresses me out more than anything. And sometimes when you yeah. have all the people doing the most amazing things and everyone's doing it right, it can actually yeah. stress us out yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> so I going feel like I get more- yeah, I was gonna say I get more inspiration from the people in my life that matter most. Like yeah. my brother, who's not even a teacher, but he's so funny and he makes me laugh, and that kind of gives me energy. And then my sister, who is puts me on the straight and narrow and makes me more logical, and so she gets keeps me grounded. And I feel like you go in when you have that, when you have those good people around you you are able to filter things. Like you're able to look at social media with a lot more of your own personal lens and go, no, that's not really for me. Oh, okay, that could be for me. You know, like, but yeah. not really fully putting your whole energy and trying to replicate or completely immerse yourself in that person's world. And I feel like, I don't know, this is off topic, but that's kind of my take now on my social media platform because I'm in this role, my purpose for this page has changed you know before it was the struggles of being a beginning teacher and here are some ideas and but now it's just like here's my life you know you may feel take something from it you may not but mm -hmm. I'm just sharing for my own self-reflection here's a funny reel to make you laugh because teaching's kind of hard so I hope you enjoy it you know like I'm not fully tied down to yeah. I don't know so I, I, I get inspired by people who are just themselves. on, yeah. on And I love that. Like, I love your vibe. And it was a perfect yes. segue because my question now for you is, where can people find you? You know, if they don't already know who you are, where are they finding you online? Uh, so you can find me at teachers.trove, which is a take on the treasure trove, but yeah, but for teachers. So yeah. And then you can find me on TikTok too. Oh, the young people on the TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not on the TikTok. I'm a little bit too no. old. Like, I'm, probably, I'm probably not too old. No, but, um, no, I know I'm not. But when the, when another app came out, I was like, I just can't do another app. It's too much for me. My mind is a wash. I don't even have Facebook on my phone because it's too much. But I use TikTok for like, 
um, restaurant reviews and like cheap eats around Auckland and like things to do with kids. Like you can, it's pretty good. Like if you go onto the hashtag Auckland one, you can see all these cool options, Amy, for like your kids and like under $10, uh, I don't know, restaurants, which I think is good for families because I like to look for stuff and go, hang on, you've got family at work. You, you might want to go to this place because I don't have any kids, but my colleagues do, so... I love the recommendation. Maybe uh, one day I will uh, <laughs> check it out. Ajma, I have loved talking to you. Loved your energy so much. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom for the people who are listening today. And I hope that we can continue this awesome relationship of these corridors because I think they are so important. And when we come together and share our stories, they are so much more powerful said aloud than they are inside our own heads. So thank you so much. That just gave me shivers. That just gave me shivers, that last statement. Um, yeah, better said out loud than keeping it in. And I think that's such a good message for everyone. Keep talking. If you're finding it struggle, keep talking. Thank you so much, Amy. Awesome. I love it.